another exciting episode of Bookstep. I'm Willow Payne. Gene Ambom. <laughs> that was that, that sounded very. Uh, are, yeah, are you Gene Ambom? You I, seem unsure of yourself. I am. I am Gene Ambom. I'm just a little cold. Uh, the blizzard here in Seattle. The the late December blizzard has. Um, frozen my head a little bit even though i stole my wife's best hat as i walked her to work uh on the ice i don't know there's some, some level of concentration walking on ice on a sheet of ice uh to a nearby hospital <clears throat> is uh it, it just it just sucks something out of my brain so we'll see we'll see if i can summon the book love this morning um i used to slip on ice all the time back in vermont it's crazy oh yeah you live in vermont you've, you've you've lived in way more extreme weather what's the what's the trick yes uh, the trick is to get out. It's a bad place to live. <laughs> she says as she lives in Florida. Yeah, I mean, Florida has its own problems, but you will not slip on ice and die. That's why all the old people come here. I guess I guess that's, uh, I can't argue with that. I don't know. Okay. All right. You could slip on the alligators and the pythons. Right. The only thing you'll slip on here is Four Loco and uh, wildlife. What, what is what is Four Loco? Is that a drink? Uh, yeah, I don't think they. I don't think they make it anymore. It used to be this uh, incredibly hyper alcoholic, hyper caloric beverage. Uh, it was just everything unhealthy for you mixed into one one canned beverage. <laughs> so it's like it's like what you drank if you wanted to gain weight. If you're too thin, your doctor would be. You need to drink more four loco, and then we'll check on you next week. If you're not dead, you're gonna have uh, the body fat you need. There was some great skit. Um, I, it, I don't remember who did if it was like college humor or, or saturday night live or whatever it was somebody did a skit of like you, you remember those old um uh the the cereal commercials where it's like to get the the same amount of fiber in this bowl of cereal you'd have to eat like six corn husks or something well so they did one with four loco it's like to get the same amount of calories you'd have to eat five big macs and to get the same amount of alcohol you'd have to drink this rubbing alcohol you, you remind me of that phil hartman one about the fiber did you ever see the fake cereal commercial snl did I yeah, think, I was. I think I just referenced that. Yeah, yeah, no, but the fake, the fake one was. Uh, you'd have to eat like twenty five thousand bowls of cereal, and they had them on a pyramid of of cereal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that one. I, in in my mind, the fake one and the real one are basically the same. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So so today we're not reading about fiber. We're reading. About, what are we reading today, Willow? What do we read? Today we're reading "The Girl Who Drank the Moon" by Kelly Barnhill. Yes, uh, this is a book that I gave to my wife years ago and then entirely failed to read after she told me how wonderful it was. So that's why we're reading it. And, uh, ha, huh. you want to you give a book talk? Did you did you like this enough to try the book talk? Uh, yeah, I think I can. My problem is I think I forgot all the names since we've read it. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'm here to help. Go ahead. All right, so... Uh, give me, give, give me is... no, just, just a pitch. We're just, we're just selling it to people who are going to like it. Ready? Go. Okay. Uh, the book opens up on this village that every year has to uh, sacrifice one of its newborn babies to uh, this witch who lives in the woods. And this is a, you know, a very sad occasion. But we discover very quickly that actually the witch who lives in these woods is incredibly nice, doesn't want babies, but does take them and then finds new families for them off in uh, cities elsewhere. And so the, the conflict surrounds... Uh, the baby that gets uh, sacrificed this year uh, happens to be particularly receptible uh, to magical abilities, uh, as the witch can only feed these babies on her travels with uh, starlight and moonlight, which are innately uh, magical energies. 
So this, uh, the, the, the titular baby who, uh, or girl who drank the moon, uh, her name is Luna. She, from a young age, she becomes imbued with immense magical power. And the witch decides to raise this one as her own child, uh, or as her own grandchild, as she decides that she will be this girl's grandmother. She grows up with, so this, this witch who is her grandmother, whose name is Zan. Uh, she also grows up with a, a tiny baby dragon who's still like a thousand or five hundred years old, somewhere in that range, named uh, Firion, I believe, who is kind of a fun, sprightly, just happy-go-lucky kind of character. And uh, another ancient, uh, what we're called a, is a swamp monster, this sort of multi-legged, I, I figure sort of reptilian sort of creature. It's not entirely described. It's kind of black and uh, slimy, I think. I'm not, I'm not really sure either. Glurk. But, um, Glurk. Yes, Glurk, who is uh, a, a big fan of poetry, is constantly referring to some great poet. The poet. And, uh, yes, the poet. And so they, they have kind of this uh, strange family dynamic, and Luna grows up and doesn't really understand that the, the world would is that she is not living a, a normal life. Uh, she travels around with her with her grandma Zan, uh, going on, you know, living a pretty happy life for most of it. But as she uh, starts to come of age... Uh, her magical abilities become more and more intense and starting to get in the way of everyone having a safe life, you know. She's occasionally turning people into rabbits by accident and doesn't really know how to control her abilities. So the big thing happens is uh, Grandma Zan takes away, locks away her magic and all of her knowledge of magic. And so she just forgets what magic is. She forgets that she's ever been magical for some time. She still has awareness of swamp monsters and dragons. That doesn't, that's not a problem, but uh, go figure. Meanwhile, back in the town that Luna was taken from, we have... <laughs> political we have political problems with uh this uh town council and its youngest member is not happy with this entire sacrifice a baby to a witch thing every year uh, i believe his name is anton is that right uh and antane 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 okay uh i i listened to an audiobook and i don't remember them pronouncing it that way but that's fine that's fine it's a-n-t-a-i-n in the so he's the nephew of another council member who is just a real jerk pretty much the whole time and there's this sort of order of, of nuns that seems to be secretly running things that uh, won't get into entirely here because we're not here to spoil anything yet. We, I mean, we're going to spoil this book, right? <laughs> we're totally going to spoil this book. Okay, yeah, we're going to spoil this book, just not at the front. So, you know, all kinds of, of hijinks ensue. This is a, I would say this is a, you know, I would give this to like a fourth or fifth or sixth grader, somewhere in that range. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that kind of come together at the end, like a very kind of furious plot at the end where people are trying to kill the witch. and The witch might die anyway because Luna's magic is coming in. The forest might might be destroyed by a volcano, right? I mean, like, it was like a lot of stuff happening all at once. And there's an evil witch yeah. coming into the scene. Sure. So I, I don't know if that pushes it out a little bit, but I, I would think it's like maybe like sixth grade, seventh grade ish. Cause like she's like 13 for the last half of the. Yeah. But uh, see that, that that's part of the thing where I think the age stuff doesn't really matter so much. Like I, I think it has everything to do with the reading level. It's like, what are you, it, it, the, rather than the age of the characters because most of the book luna's age is all over the place and you're mostly reading about a thousand year old witch and a swamp monster and you know that it doesn't matter right? well all i was all i was thinking when i was reading this was like how how i wish i could read it like a kid when she's about six or seven she would have totally been into it, right yeah yeah that is um so it was was that a satisfactory book talk uh, it, was, it was pretty good yeah it was pretty good i mean I, you know I, I, you got you, you clearly listened to it a while back um like, like there's, I was trying to remember, like, like, um, 
how does the sacrifice work? So they, they, the people in the protectorate, the elders, like this kind of very sad space that's off by itself, where, 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 the, where these elders control everything that happens and kind of benefit from it. And the people are super poor. Every year they basically take a baby because of the time when it's born and they take it, they walk it out into the woods and they leave it in the woods. And um, it becomes very clear very quickly that the elders don't think there is a witch. They just think they're leaving the baby there and they're doing this to basically keep the populace under control, to give them something to... Right. Well, we discover, this is the spoiler, so the, the, we, we're given this, this council of elders that we're meant to believe is in control of everything. They really aren't. Uh, there is another evil witch who poses as a, uh, a matriarchal religious figure who is the actual grandmaster of everything, who is... She she is forcing these babies to be sacrificed and and in everyone's minds like they 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 say that oh yeah no a witch comes and takes the baby but th- but that's sort of the Santa Claus lie that is like well actually no the baby just dies in the woods and gets eaten by a wolf or something right L- little did they know that there is actually a a good aligned witch who does come and take the babies and make sure that they live happy full lives right and the babies are uh, they're taken to this place called the Free City where uh, she finds parents for them and they're called uh, they're called the Star Children mostly because she feeds right, she, they... she feeds them starlight after the milk runs right, out. Which, he, which gives them sort of glowy eyes, some some kind of strange eye color, and they generally have better luck than average individuals. But um, the reason the evil witch back in 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 the bog town, I don't, th- that, that village never really has a name. No, it's, it's called the Protectorate. And I, I, re- I reread the opening of this book. It's also sometimes called the Cattail Kingdom and the City of Sorrows, according to the... Yeah, but they never actually call it that other than... No, it's just called the Protectorate. Well, so back in the Protectorate, so the evil witch, the reason that she wants these babies gone is because she, uh, magic, her powers and her long lifespan come from sorrow, from people experiencing sorrow. And so if she can make everyone in this Protectorate miserable, right? then she is omnipotent. She will live forever. This is, uh, she's you know an immortal being by this by this uh power and i have to say like 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 the way that you become aware of her in the story is so nice versus the way a clumsier story would have handled it like she comes on very slowly and then as a presence in the in the book and then is just is just there you kind of understand her it's it's kind of wonderful the 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 writing how that worked did you enjoy that um I don't know if I enjoyed that part specifically. It was fine. So my my ultimate review of the book is pretty simple. I like this book. I'd give it like a B. A, a B? Oh my god. Uh, this is it's like a solid solid A, if not an A+. Plus. I, I love this. Well, so I like the book fine. I do. I did like it. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. Um, a, a B from you is like an A+, plus for anybody else. I mean, that, that's out of the park. I'm so excited right now that you liked it that much. <laughs> I just, I love this book. You know, the, the thing that reading this book, I felt was that I was like, yeah, I read a lot of books like this when I was a kid. You know, my my school library was chock full of books that were basically exactly like this. And that's not a that's not a detriment to it. But it's also I, in my mind, it's not particularly special. And it, it, it's not it, if I wasn't reading it now as an adult for this podcast, I would have forgotten about it so quickly see i want to i want to disagree with that because having having still read kids books on on somewhat of an ongoing basis and having read them to my kid like more recently than not like this book is great 
it's it's so good. There's only one other book that I would compare it to, uh, which I like this much, uh, which is also kind of the I, I would say it's like it's like a standard kind of mythological fairy tale magic book, right? I mean, it kind of plays yeah, with those absolutely. ideas. Yeah, um, absolutely. But 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 most of them just aren't this good. Uh, the only book I would compare this to is a book called um, Plain Kate by Aaron Bow, which is my other favorite kind of very straightforward magical tale uh, about a girl coming into her power. It, it, it's so. This book is so good. It's it's so well written. The plot develops so nicely. I, I don't know. I like 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 I, I can't I can't I can't go with B. I got to go higher than that. Much higher. I mean the things that the thing that I really like about this book, the thing that that makes this not completely forgettable to me is I really like. <laughs> so, look, this is the podcast. I stab the books. I am the book stabber. You're stabbing it. You're stabbing it hard. I am. The, I am the one who stabs. But but you brought out, uh, you brought out your dull knife today, which is nice. Okay, go ahead. Keep stabbing. Uh, I like that. Um, I like the the character dynamic. I like Glurk. I like Furion. I like Zan. I like the dynamic that they have. This sort of uh, you know weird argumentative family mm-hmm. that you know constantly gets on each other's nerves, but they still love each other. So great. It's very cute. I like that stuff a lot. And the you know to the author's credit, she gives them you know real voices that that come through that that these characters are believable they 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 have something going on they aren't complete they aren't cardboard cutouts they're so fun which in, a fairy, so fun. which in a fairy tale you could totally get away with and this is absolutely a fairy tale story well it, it, think... it, it, it's, it's really necessary because for the first half of the book luna isn't really a character right right well and i I wouldn't say that she becomes a lot of a character in the second half of the book. The, to me, the second half of the book is is a slog uh, because it becomes so apparent of what's going to happen. It's like, okay, we we're given all this stuff about the volcano and the and and how it's it's gonna it you know the volcano is a is a Chekhov's gun in this book. We are given the all right the evil witch who has the heart of a tiger, which they repeat like a billion times for some reason. It's very important that you know that she has a tiger's heart. It's so important. Um, and, you know, everything to do with, with Antane and, and you know, hunting. Like, everything that happens in the second half book could have happened so much faster than it did. But it, do, it does happen it, pretty fast. I mean, like, like I mean, when you're, when you're reading it, it seems to happen very fast because the time is compressed so much. Like, the first half of the book is, like, 12 or 13 years. Then the second half of the book is, like, a week right right but it but it takes as many pages so no, right, right, right. i would argue that i would argue that, that that actually makes it slower yeah but, but but the second half of the book is so many things coming together like antane his his wife he's got kind of a love story that's off to the side it's very sweet and and uh, he stopped being one of the elders but his wife is pregnant his lovely wife is pregnant and um she's she's due at the wrong time and so they know that their kid is going to be the sacrifice for the coming year and he sets out into the woods to kill the witch even though he's he's like the least suited person to kill the witch at all he's a very nice man and the the elder and uh the evil witch in the city kind of have a conversation the evil witch sets out to kill him right and at the same time zan is coming in to try to save the baby that's going to be sacrificed that year but her magic is failing because luna is coming of age and siphoning off her magic and zan has transformed herself into a bird and has kind of lost herself and there's there's that story what happens to zan and then luna is also her magic is kind of going out of control and she's trying to find her mother who has also been carried into the woods by these paper birds that she folds by pulling paper out of nowhere because she seems to be magic 
magic too somehow. She's been stuck in this tower where the evil witch is basically feeding on her sorrow because she's so, she's been driven crazy ever since um, Luna was taken away from her, the baby Luna. And she's convinced her daughter is still alive, and it all kind of comes together in the woods in in I think a predictable but a marvelous way. It's very well made, I thought, and and there's still sorrow because Zan still dies, and although her death scene not to my taste uh you know the dragon finally grows up like like there's a lot of things everything comes to fruition it's so nice right well every right everything does come to fruition but i just wish that i I wish that it had done so in a more elegant and expedient fashion like it takes because we talked so much throughout the book about Furion not growing up and it's 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 so it's like okay well before the book is over Furion is going to have to grow up like this is a big problem that he's still a thousand years old or however long and he's still like the size of like a like a small bird right he fits in your pocket yeah right (laughs) and and we know that we know that uh i mean we hope that some by some special magical event that zan will not completely die when luna regains her magical powers because that is a thing that that keeps happening is that Somehow Luna being magical, she's just like a big sponge and she just soaks up all the magic around her and Xan is only alive because she's magic. And so she'll just she'll just completely die via sort of ambient vampirism, which is an interesting idea, but they do belabor it. Well, it becomes kind of a cycle like like Xan was the baby who was fed moonlight 500 years ago by these people who used to live in the woods in this tower by these magic youth stopped the volcano from erupting completely destroying everything and 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 so this is this is the cycle right zan's lived long enough and i guess you have to accept it it's the sorrow kind of at the heart of the book right although i don't think we're given we we aren't giving amazing exposition as to the, the we, we're told about these these sorcerers who are hanging out who in magic zan from a child but i it's not clear whether the protectorate was a thing at that point in time or not no, i think it is I, I think i think it's clear it wasn't a thing but I, I think i think it was separated um kind of kind of by the bog which is the remnant of the volcano from the free cities right i mean the evil the evil witch with the tiger's heart she has a name right i can't remember Her, sister ignatia right sister ignatia is somehow responsible for the volcano because that's why furion is mad at her because furion's mother another dragon uh, which comes as a surprise to everyone i'm sure uh that's not this 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 other dragon who's who's furion's mother uh sacrificed herself to go into the volcano and keep it from erupting which also i'm not really sure how that works but we're just told that that's how it works well it makes sense that we don't know because zan is the only survivor and doesn't know what they did like 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 uh the the mom dragon went in with uh the the guy who raised zan whose name was like zosimos or something like right yeah i think that is correct but but at the same time shouldn't we be able to figure out as as astute readers like how does one go into like obviously you have to use magic to stop the volcano or whatever or you have to have an incredible amount of anti-volcano juice like what if if they were able to magically stop the volcano then why were they also destroyed in the process right well but there's that but there's also it reminded me of uh the earthsea book the first earthsea book where ogian uh is known for having quieted the earthquake but but in this case like it's clear zosimos and the dragon sacrificed themselves just to put it on hold for a little while because you can't actually hold the volcano back from anything nobody can so it's it's gonna happen again right I guess. I mean, that's that is what happens by the end. The the volcano does at an inopportune time start to start to rumble. I, I, Lava I, starts to pour. I thought it was a nice a nice nod to Earthsea. I don't know if I don't know if it was deliberate or not. I, I assume it was. 
I don't, I, well, the, but I, I read that Earthsea book and, uh, I, the, the detail of Ogian stopping an earthquake must have been really, really buried because that is not something I remember about that book. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's at the beginning of the book. He's, he's, uh, he's got some nickname that they call him in the city below where he lives on. The, he's known as a very, very powerful man, but he's very still, right? He doesn't, he doesn't kind of flash his power around. He lives simply. Sure. I, I, I wouldn't, I would not think that that is a specific reference I'm just hoping. So. I mean, you're allowed. You're allowed to have that hope. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Th- th- I mean, like everybody, everybody who should be lovely in this book is lovely, and everybody who shouldn't be lovely isn't quite lovely, right? And and the only character who's kind of in the middle is um, like Antane's uncle. Arguably, he's a little bit on the side of being well, horrified is... the Grand Elder, right? Well, this is one of the things that I wanted to talk about was that for almost the entirety of the book. Like the, the, the uncle elder is just a total bastard. Everything about him is, 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 is evil as can be. Right. He knows, he knows there's no witch or he thinks there's no witch. He thinks the kids are just being taken off by animals. A horrible guy. He, well, yeah, he delights in being cruel and he believes that like, I should be a jerk to everyone and everyone should be nice to me and give me other things because I am the, like he is as like stereotypically evil of a character as you can get. And then at some point we start getting narration from inside his head and and like we start being told that like, oh, no, but actually uh, he's not that bad a guy at all. Like if you really get to know him and it's like, what are you talking about? Like it's <laughs> it really it feels like why are we trying to redeem this total dirtbag character? Like, no, well, don't I, I, because any but he doesn't even do anything in the direction of redemption. I don't think there was any but... redemption, but I, but I think he was the only... Like, I think I think what makes this a kid's book is that everybody has very simple and straightforward motivations, and they're they're basically, like, stereotypical folklorish characters, right? They're good or evil. Yeah. Like, like I mean, I mean, that's the thing, right? And he's the only person who even approaches being more rounded in that sense. Like, he's the only person who, who has bad, but maybe a little good inside of him, right? I mean, like, it's, it's interesting to let us see somebody more rounded like maybe he has some business there and doesn't doesn't act on them you know maybe it's it's a weird thing to see that in the book but it was it was kind of nice but it makes you think about what what makes this a kid's book or it makes me think that i'm like oh that's that's the thing right like if it was a ya book there'd be more of that there'd be more mixed motivation you know more of an internal conundrum like like you know why did i act like that what did i do more guilt right there's no there's no real guilt there's no bad feelings well, but, everybody feels they, great about what they, they're doing well, but they give the uncle some guilt, and that—that's what I don't like about it is that it feels, um, it feels like a one eighty. It feels like we we were told for many pages who this character is, and now we're being told something different that is so incongruous that it feels like a, a, like a different author took over and was like like the editor jumped in and was like actually. Hitler wasn't that bad. Like you know, he had dogs. Well, I think I think that I think that in one way it's necessary because um, when Antane is out in in the forest trying to kill the witch at the end of the book, uh, what's his what's his wife's name? How do you pronounce that? Athene? Athen? Yeah, the 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 audiobook uh, narrator pronounced it Athene. Athene. So Athene with their baby is back in the city, and with the the evil sister gone, evil sisters of the star, the one who keeps the who keeps Luna's mom in the tower that she's escaped from, like Sister Ignatia, when she's gone out of the city, everything kind of brightens up, and Athene basically leads a mini rebellion um, within the city, and I I I think that if you accepted that. Um, the grand elder Gerland was was totally evil, just just the complete and utter bastard that he is at the beginning of the book. 
you would think that he would have everybody crush her and what she's kind of doing, leading everybody against the sisters. And, you know, Athene, Athene was once a sister, but she left the sisterhood because she could see how evil uh, Sister Ignatia was and that things weren't, weren't very well there. And so she's, she's very charming and light, but she's also kind of strong at the end of the book and, and leads, leads the protector to be a better place. But I just want to say if, 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 if Gerland, if Grand Elder Gerland was so bad, if he was completely bad, he wouldn't be kind of stymied by that because she has charmed him in a certain way and been kind to him and that kindness well, has he made can a difference. Be... He can be evil without being efficient. This is one thing: is that he's. Yeah. We're never we're never meant to believe he's good at his job, mm. uh, because he is. He's like a snidely whiplash. He's like cartoonishly evil. So like at uh, I because there's an interaction between Gerland and Athene where we visit we visit uh, Anton and Antane and Athene's home, and it is literally described as like the sun reaches this place and yet it reaches nowhere else in this town and the birds are here and the bees and everything is lovely and beautiful and he's like oh i can't believe how great this place is i hate it i want to i'm a <laughs> i'm an adams family character and 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 they have this stupid exchange where she's like, "Would you like some tea with the with the mint that I've grown in my garden?" He's like, "You know, if you were a cool person like me, you would grow something useful in your garden instead of mint. This is a this is a poor use of resource." And she's like, "Well, everyone likes mint, and it makes food taste better, so it is useful." And he's like, blah, 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 and his monocle pops out. And it's like this. This <laughs> his monocle pops this, out. <laughs> this is an. This is such a dumb interaction. Like this is. <laughs> it's it's not it, it's not dumb because it's showing it's showing how lovely she is and it's it's showing and like like because he says in that interaction that that the tea is or internally he says that the tea is the best thing he's ever tasted. Right. He indicates that. I to know, us. but that but that's but that's dumb <laughs> on a fundamental level. Well, okay, okay, you didn't like it. I I did. I I, th- I thought it was fine. You know, it worked for me. It, it's nice because because it's it's more about. Athene and and how she can kind of turn things around than it is about Gurlin to me at that point. Right, but I well, but I'm trying to think through the lens of that character of he's drinking the best tea that he's ever had and he has to feel the need to chastise this woman who is he who he is now related to who he's about to kill the baby of and he's like fuck your tea I hate you like that's a cartoonishly evil character. I think I think fuck your tea would be more of a YA novel version of this. <laughs> He doesn't, yeah, but he, I, okay, yes, he doesn't use the F word, but he does chastise her. He, do, he does try to tear her down for having tea that he and everyone else agrees is good. Like, that's stupid. That's, you know, if this were, a, if this isn't meant to be, this isn't meant to be anything, but like, if this were a Marvel movie, it would be the thing of like, I hate you, but also this tea is delicious. Well, like, well, we, we well play, if you were sitting we here, play my, it as a comedic. If you were sitting here in my, in my uh, dining room today, I would make you a cup of green tea or mint tea right now. <laughs> like, I would, I would, and I, I would feel insulted because I'm allergic to mint. So are you allergic to mint? <laughs> yeah. No wonder you hate this part of the book. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah, no, people who uh, people who are allergic to bee stings really hate books about bees. That's a, a known fact. That's right. That's right. Oh, the fact that you're allergic to mint, that's perfect. That's, you know, that's why nobody reads any books about asbestos. <laughs> Fiberglass, that's uh, one of the least popular book subjects. They're right. B- books about itching powder. No good. <laughs> in, in medical libraries, uh, books about allergies are actually, oh you know... My God. <laughs> <laughs> the least checked out books that's right that's right books about peanuts banned banned in elementary schools all over the country <laughs> books about shellfish let me tell you not not that popular 
Here's a list of things we don't want in books for kids. Thank you. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> I maybe we should start a national like book banning movement instead of instead of being against books that should actually be in the in the library. We should start it on that basis. Like like we should just ban books for absurd purposes. Well, any any book that contains a peanut, we should just we should just form. Well, you know, which is not to make fun of peanut allergies too much because I have a friend who's deathly allergic to peanuts. Um, to, to just to just find some reason like. I mean, peanuts. Peanuts are great because things like peanuts are already banned in in schools in a lot of places. Oh, that would be great! Just the national national peanut ban on books. <laughs> we don't want to ban them. We just want to cross out the word peanut wherever it appears in the book, <laughs> in a way that kids can't read. Well, what if a book refers to kid? You know, what if it refers to people eating nuts? Uh, the, but it doesn't specify if they're peanuts like mm. you know what if what if it said a mixed assortment of nuts at a you know cocktail nuts what, uh, what about all the books about george washington carver gone <laughs> yeah absolutely you can't have those wow hmm what a dark world what if it what, what if what if the book referred to like jiff or uh skippy <laughs> is it gone as well what if, what if there was an evil witch who could live forever as long as she kept banning books for arbitrary reasons oh i like that and, but but we discover that each of the banned books gets cast out into the forest where a good librarian adopts <laughs> them and, fi- and finds new libraries for them. See, this writes itself, doesn't it? Yeah, and she's best friends with a very large, monstrous... Bookcase, a bookcase. Uh, bookcase. <laughs> and a small, flighty uh, a bookend. Oh, oh, a bookend, yes. It's, it's an animated bookend. The merchandising opportunities are, are endless here. This is also a little bit Beauty and the Beast, obviously, because we have sort of this sentient furniture angle. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's fine. But but it makes it instantly magic, and instantly instantly you have uh, merchandise. And so she has to find one special book that she then imbues with magic. Is that are we still on the same page? Uh, well, she she, she takes books and she tries to find uh, their reader. Right, she tries to find their reader in a different city. The books that are thrown out, or the books that right. are, are banned, right? And uh, which are all, which so far are all peanut and mint related. They're all peanut. Yeah. Why does she keep bringing us books about mint and peanuts? We're so confused. <laughs> right. I want. Yeah. I want the book that's about the person, just from the perspective of the people in the city. It's like every year this woman brings us one book about peanuts, and it, oftentimes it's not even about peanuts. It just features the word peanut in it. And in- sometimes they're just. <laughs> hardcore pornography like who is this george washington carver it's weird it's so strange and and in the city where they're banning all these books like kids keep dying mysterious deaths from anaphylactic shock (laughs) and 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 because they don't know and there's a thing they eat that that they also turn into a butter-like substance that nobody ever talks about Like well, it's got a million uses. You can turn it into paint. You can turn it into soap. But it's killing all of our children. That's right. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it kills one child a year. Oh, <laughs> and in a tower, there's a lady who just eats peanuts. That's all she eats. <laughs> is it because that's all they give her to eat, or did, like is she not locked there? She just goes out, buys carts full of peanuts. She's just miserable. Just... She's she's just the most miserable person. She just eats all, all. She's she's the evil witch, and all she survives on is peanuts. That's all. Oh, okay. I thought I thought we were talking about Luna's mother because so oh, Luna's mother. There, 
who is the person who originally owned the peanut book that that got that got stolen away this time that becomes the, hmm. the best peanut book who's the person who then who then grows up to magically become a librarian i guess oh the, 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 yeah yeah no, the, the, that's the librarian in the tower the, the, the librarian in the tower who will not allow the peanut books to go away just keeps standing up to censorship well, that's what she does. She keeps writing more peanut books in her tower, and they they read like madness, but they are in fact about peanuts. <laughs> she folds paper peanuts that fly out of the tower, <laughs> and then poison children. <laughs> right. You're also allergic to just the symbol of a peanut. <laughs> oh. I like that. I like that we've both gone completely insane. That <laughs> we're we're on the same wavelength today. Of, well, I think I, I, who gives a shit. I, I think there's I think there's nothing to criticize about this book. I, I mean, like like I, I just love this book so much. I, I just want to say again, like like this book is so it's so good. It's so good. I'm so I'm so impressed with the craft of this book. I I understand why you think the the last part of it went on too long, but I I think there were so many things uh, being juggled there, and it really really worked for me. I mean, I was. I was tearing through the last half of this book. I couldn't put it down. Like, even as an adult, I, w- I read this just purely for me. And I, I was so happy to read it. I, don't I know. thought it was cute. Um, you know, I like I said, I, I, I over, I generally had a positive attitude towards this book. It, you know, would I read it again? No. Would I give it to a niece or nephew? Yeah. I would. What what what, um, what 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 book would you? I mean, like like of the fantasy books of this kind of subgenre that you read as a kid or or that you read later that are kids books. What would you like? What would you compare it to? I, I've said Plain Kate by Aaron Bow, like in terms of in terms of quality and craft. But w- is there one that you would think? Well, that's hard um, because a lot of the of the books that I was reading at that time they they were fantasy, but they weren't. Lord of the Rings fantasy, right? They were they were more magical realism than anything. They were they were about kids who lived in our world, but then a fantastical thing would happen to them. Right, 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 and right, so right, right. No, and and, and that, that that's another subgenre, right? Well, it probably. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, they weren't really lumped into genres the way that we understand them now. They were just books for kids. That that was how we understood them as children. We we mm. didn't sit around arguing. I don't know. Is this really fantasy or is this really magical realism? Um, well, but I don't, I don't think that I don't think this is quite high fantasy like Tolkien either. There isn't like a quest here. You know, there are there are there is plot, but. Um... It, it it's somewhat it's it's somewhat different. There, there's a lot of books that I feel like are in this space for this age group that are kind of in this kind of kind of it's it, like exists on in its own fantasy world and there's some kind of plot. They often involve a mysterious forest like this one does, but but they're just not this good. I mean, I, I I can put them down, and I could not put this book down. Yeah, I don't know. You say that about a lot of books. No, 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 no. I I, I don't because I, I don't have that reaction to a lot of kids' books. Like like a lot of kids' books, books for this age specifically. I I I read twenty pages, and I can admire the writing, but I don't care. I, I just I, I'm not enjoying them. And this book, I was I was actually enjoying. And I, I I'm yeah. I, I'm more I'm more tempted to pick up fantasy novels for this age than anything else. But most of them I never review or talk about because I they're just so uh, interchangeable. To, you know. Well, and that's but and see, that's my reaction to this book is this feels this does feel interchangeable to me, which and and that's really not a bad thing. I don't I don't think it makes it a lesser book. I just think it makes it one of many books that is perfectly fine in its in its readability and its accessibility that, yes, I would encourage every child to read this book because I think children should read. That's like, you know, that's my position is that I'm pro reading. Well, I mean, I I think that's high praise from you. But but I but I think that if if I gave you 20, 20 well reviewed books um, of this kind of 
subgenre genre, this would be the standout for you. Maybe, but I've also learned that reviews are completely meaningless. That a lot of the books we've read uh, that I have found to be completely odious in quality, <laughs> odious, uh, are are highly reviewed. I wa- which is uh, I want to say I want to say that you gave a you gave a you gave a book talk that used the word titular too, which I let go by without saying anything. Which is fantastic. What? Because. Because it's pronounced titular or what? No, 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 no. Just I just like I was like that's that's a word you don't often hear in a in a in a book talk. That was great. No, no. I, I mean, I understand. You, I understand you don't trust trust uh, uh, book reviews. But if we asked people just to give us their favorite fantasy novel and we waited until we got twenty, I you know, so if somebody gave you this one, I say if I gave you this uh, fantasy novel I for will, kids, you know, I, I think I think this would be the standout. I will say that it does the. Maybe if if this book has an edge, it probably is it, to me because it is a fantasy book it, it, that is contemporary. So like, you know, when I was uh, an undergrad in college, I took a course on childhood literature and we, ha- we had to buy this packet of books mm-hmm. um, to read for it. And so I read a bunch of children's books that, you know, almost all of them had a Caldecott or a Newbery Award. Right. They were all award winning books. And I really hated all of them, and they were all very much similar. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing: they they all had a through line, which was like these are about you know kids who are not, none of them are fantastical. None of them have any kind of fantastical quality in them whatsoever. They're all about children dealing with the fact that their parents are divorcing, or the the foster care system, or that they're you know they have childhood like leukemia. That's not a real example. I'm just you know bad things that could happen to children, and those are those are books that should exist. I'm not against them, but at the same time, you know, I think that all kids should are are entitled to a little escapism and a little whimsy, and you know maybe even a little horror. That like those are those are good things too. We should absolutely be encouraging that. The idea that you know fantasy literature isn't literature or isn't of literary merit is an idea that I am staunchly against. And so I would I would be much happier to give this book to a kid than a lot of other children's books that might get recommended. Interesting. Just because you think you think this is a nice escape for a kid instead of something more realistic, maybe about a problem they're going through absolutely yes that's interesting all right uh, I'll, I'll take it well and i'll take it that's a positive comment well you know i didn't have a perfect childhood uh and i don't think it, but that's the thing is that my way of reacting to that was like i want to read this book about this kid who finds a magic ring and turns into a monster that sounds way cooler than the 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 divorce book like what what like because i think this is this great myth that you know editors and publishers buy into which is that like and childhood psychologists the only way children can deal with things is if they're presented with these stark you know realities in which it's like oh yeah your your mom's an alcoholic here's a here's a book written for children about alcoholism and it's like well I don't think I I don't think that I mean, I mean, that is not that is not the thought. But I think having having realistic situations reflected in books and having giving kids the choice to read about them if they choose to, uh, you know, can can make a kid reflect on what they're going through and can make a can make that feel more normal and more like something they can talk about. You you know what I mean? It's not that both books, both kinds of books don't have their place, but it's also not like. Oh, somebody died? Here, read this book. You, you know what I mean? But sometimes kids do need a book about death when somebody dies, or they do want one, you know, or they are drawn to one. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not somebody who advocates ever forcing a book down a kid's throat for any reason, but, um, you know, I've definitely seen that some of those books th- that you're talking about now, like th- that type of book, 
uh, you know, makes a, makes a huge difference in a kid. And I, I know personally that, that uh, some of those books made a difference for me. So Sure. I'm not saying those books shouldn't exist. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have them at the ready. Those are, those are good. It's good that they exist. It's good that we have them. At the same time, I also, you know, we as adults need light reading too, right? And I think the same thing is true of children, that children deserve light reading. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I mean, but also I think uh, divorce needs to work its way into fantasy novels. At least that's what I'm hearing you're saying. Is that correct? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I, well, and I'm, su- I'm sure that already exists. I'm sure it does, I guarantee too. You, I guarantee we can find that book. Well, I think what's really funny is there, there was, like, like fantasy novels have become kind of more realistic for lack of a better word um with more real world problems right kind of as as uh as time has gone on there's there are family problems in in fantasy novels now there are you know societal problems are more reflected in fantasy novels whereas for a while that was really really like like an unusual thing right i mean there was no sex in fantasy novels nobody ever used the bathroom there you know what i mean but now you see all of that and it's like i don't I don't know if that's great all the time, but it's it's certainly amusing sometimes or, or useful well, sometimes. This, well, this is I, I I sort of disagree because it's not like we went th- it's not like we went all these decades being like you know I don't think Frodo Baggins ever poops like it's just that we didn't need to write it explicitly that he poops. It's obvious that he poops. I'm still wondering <laughs> about I'm still wondering how much fiber is in that lemless bread. Is that just me? I need to know. I'm. I'm sure it's not enough. I'm sure their colons were punished for many, many a day walking to and from Mordor. But that's really beside the point. Oh, like, okay. Hey, Willow, what are we reading next time on Bookstabber? <laughs> uh, next time on Bookstabber, we are reading uh, two books by one of my favorite authors growing up, William Slater. Uh, we are reading Oddballs. Uh, which is uh, an autobiographical book, and Interstellar Pig, which is a science fiction adventure. Is Interstellar Pig, are, are those kids' books, or are they are they kind of like tween books? Are they YA books? Where would you put them? Um, I think Oddballs really is kind of an all-ages book. Having I've, I've reread that one already. It's a very short read. There's nothing inappropriate in it. You know, there's a little bit of potty humor, which is fine for any age. Um it, it, but I think it's it's a rewarding book for any read. Uh, I still need to reread Interstellar Pig, although uh, from from the first chapter that I read, I was like, okay, maybe this isn't uh, as as for as advanced in age as I originally thought. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that we're reading books that you loved and or that you love, and uh, already you're like, uh. <laughs> all right. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to reading this. I, I read Interstellar Pig. I think when I was in like fifth or sixth grade when I was a kid. So, oh, you read it? I, I think I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember, I remember an old cover to it. No, I think I told you that a long time ago, but yeah, not recently. I haven't no. seen it. So I'm excited to reread it. Um, I, yeah, I'm and uh, Oddballs as well. Like, like uh, it seems very, very short. So, so that's awesome. All right, so that, we'll talk about those next time. And uh, until then, Willow, keep stabbing, keep stabbing. Oh, and don't forget our uh, our email address. What is that, Willow? It is bookstabberpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. Please right? please send us any recommendations you have for books you'd like to hear us talk about. And uh, Happy New Year. Well, this will be in February. Happy February. Happy, happy Chinese New Year. All right. Happy Lunar New Year. All right. Later. Mm-hmm.